Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Freedom of Species. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. We're dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals, um, including animal advocacy, activism, protection, conservation, and of course, appreciation. We are broadcasting from 3CR Studios in Melbourne, Australia. Live streaming and recent podcasts are available via the 3CR website, but um, all podcasts are available from the Freedom of Species website and iTunes. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Emma Townsend. In Victoria, old-growth native forests, home to many threatened species and countless other species, are still being cut down for low-grade cheap paper products. (sighs) Speaking with people about this issue, I, I feel people are distracted by the swamping of clever greenwashing out there and it takes a little digging to accept uh, the crude and uncomplicated reality of this. On several occasions now, a volunteer citizen scientists have been out there on the lookout at Vic Forest logging sites, at times in freezing temperatures, getting the evidence needed to stop the logging and in doing so have saved hundreds of hectares of forest that many threatened species need for survival. There are a few great groups doing this. Um, There's Wildlife of the Central Highlands, known as WATCH. Uh, There's the Flora and Fauna Research Collective. And today I speak with Ed Hill from Gecko, the Gungara Environment Centre, East Gippsland. Their work altogether brings into crude light the lack of functionality of the regulatory system, that it's up to unpaid community members to do the surveying appropriate before any logging to take place. Australians love their digital equipment and that's all fine and good because it increases our quality of life but we need to think more carefully about what we're doing when we're finished with it. E-waste is growing at three times the rate of other municipal waste. 3CR Community Radio is dedicated to exploring the issues that affect our future. Because I think it is something we just need to be talking about. 855am Tune in and listen up.
Ed, thank you so much for making time for us today. Firstly, before talking about your citizen science programs, I just want to set some background for a lot of people because I think people get really confused with this issue. As I understand it, 85% of logged wood in Victoria comes from plantation forest and the rest is from native forest, which is where your concern lies. Is that about right? Uh, It's about right for, well, in terms of employment in the logging industry, about two-thirds of of the jobs that are in the forestry sector are in the plantation sector. And the Maryvale pulp mill where that produces reflex paper, which uh, most of the native forest that's been cut ends up there. Um, of all the wood that goes in there, about it's about the same. About two-thirds of that is actually coming from plantation and about 25% uh, or 20, yeah, 25% to 30% of it's coming from native forest. It is correct that uh, of all the timber that's been cut in Victoria and of all the jobs in the forestry sector, the native forest component of it is quite a small percentage. And the, the demand in the market is very much favouring plantation wood. Uh, most of the construction timber that's being used um, these days is coming from plantations, from soft, softwood plantations. And the decline in uh, demand for native forest products is continuing to diminish as the demand for plantation products is, is on the rise. Mm. So yeah, the native forest logging industry is really a sunset industry that really should just be wound up. You pin reflex paper as a, a major culprit in uh, taking down the native forest which you're concerned about. Is Who owns reflex paper? Is that Australian sustainable, uh, Australian paper? Yeah, so Australian paper is actually a subsidiary of uh, Nippon Paper. Uh, the Nippon Paper Group are a massive uh, corporation based in Japan. So it's actually owned... It's called Australian Paper, but it's actually owned by a massive Japanese company. Um, and most of the wood that's cut in Victoria's forests uh, ends up as pulp, which is um, uh, used to produce uh, paper, uh, ref- the reflex brand paper, uh, at the Maryvale Pulp Mill in Gippsland. Uh, we also see a lot of um, uh, forests that are cut uh, in the far east of Victoria and East Gippsland. They're turned into wood chips, which are taken up to a wood chip mill in Eden on the south coast of New South Wales uh, and exported overseas, mostly into the um, Japanese uh, and Chinese and Korean paper uh, markets. Sent over, they're sent overseas to, to pulp mills over there that produce um, low-quality paper products. So just connecting the dots there, we're talking about the homes of many different species and highlighted in your work is many threatened species. But all, all that wood is basically, whether it's from the native forest or the plantation forest, is it's pretty much put together, isn't it? It's very hard to see that supply chain. Is that correct? Um, yeah, it is. It's all, yeah, it's all put together. Well, the, the paper that's actually going out of the chips that are getting exported into the overseas market i mean that's 100 percent native forest that's, that's getting exported the pulp that is being processed at the Maryvale pulp mill yeah it's all it's all mixed together 
you're concerned with high conservation value forests, and in particular at the moment, uh, the the is it the quark forest. Um, can you just explain to us how unique this particular stretch of wilderness is? Sure. So, so Goonga Environment Centre, who I work with, um, we're based out in Far East Gippsland, which is east of the east of the Snowy River, uh, where those other other forests that we focus on protecting. Um, in particular, we're focused on one area called called uh, Quark Forest. This is an area south of the Erinundra Plateau. Um, it's a stronghold for old growth forest, uh, for rainforest. Uh, there are um, many different uh, types of rainforest that occur in that area. There's cool temperate rainforest, which is a little bit like the, the rainforest you find in Tasmania. There's also warm temperate rainforest, which is uh, looks a bit more like tropical uh, rainforest that you get on the east coast and heading up into Queensland. And East Gippsland is really special because you get this really unique climate where warm and cool currents mix and you get some warmer species and some cooler species blending together. And Quark Forest is, is, is this really strong um, overlap area where those, those different environments overlap and you get a really high level of, of biodiversity. East Gippsland is a really special part of Victoria for uh, forest conservation values. It's the only place on mainland Australia where there are still continuous intact forest ecosystems that stretch from alpine environments down to the coast. Uh, in Tasmania, that, that, those sorts of environments are quite common. The whole of southwest Tassie is, is, is uh, continuous intact ecosystems from the Alps down to the sea. But on the mainland, we've fragmented so much of uh, the, the habitats and ecosystems um, that were that were here before colonisation. That um, now East Gippsland, that far eastern corner, is it's the only place left on the mainland where you have that that connectivity. So the logging is um, is really having quite a severe impact on fragmenting that that connectivity. Mm. Uh, and we're campaigning to protect the forest south of the Erinundra National Park. Um, which would link the Erinunda National Park down to the Crowa Jingalong National Park on the coast and provide a continuous protected area of forest um, from right up at the, in, the, in, the, in the high country, up in the mountains, right down to the sea. Um, and that would be a, um, a fantastic uh, initiative to preserve some of that really unique biodiversity that we have there in East Gippsland and give those ecosystems... Uh, as much resilience as we possibly can um, to withstand the impacts of climate change. Um, we know that large landscape scale protected areas offer uh, ecosystems and species uh, much more resilience than smaller fragmented um, reserve systems. And we've got a really great opportunity in East Gippsland because there's still some, you know, that intact connectivity is there. We've got a really good opportunity to, to preserve it into the future. That's one big wildlife corridor, isn't it? Yeah, essentially, yeah. And it's covering a lot of different ecosystems and would protect a lot of different species. So East Gippsland's a relatively small area of the state. It only uh, covers 9% of all of Victoria. Um, but about 33% of all of the listed threatened species in Victoria can be found there. So over one-third of all of the listed threatened species packed into just 9% of the state. Um, and it's also really botanically diverse. Over one-third of all of the different vegetation types that are found in Victoria 
can be found in East Gippsland, just in 9% of the state. So a lot of different critters that are found there, a lot of different ecosystems and plant communities all packed in there together. Yeah, so, so protecting them uh, in one big continuous corridor would be a great way to safeguard their future. Mm. Can you just highlight a few of the species that you really advocate for that are kind of the poster the poster child species? Like, Is it, is yep. it the greater glider? The campaign's been focused on protecting the greater glider in recent times. The greater glider is Australia's largest gliding marsupial. It's uh, like a a possum um, that lives high up in the canopy of old-growth trees and it can glide 100 metres in in just one single leap. Uh, It eats gum leaves like a koala, so it's a eucalypt specialist that only lives in in eucalypt trees and it requires large hollows to sleep in during the day. Um, And these hollows in the trees that it requires uh, take about 100 to 120, sometimes 150 years to form. So it the greater glider is only found in old-growth forests um, where there are large old trees. That issue there, for people that don't know, is that when you're talking about logging, the trees are always logged like after 80 years, is that right? So with old-growth forests, they're not replenished in a way that keeps the um, populations going. Sure. Yeah, so, so these large old trees that the greater glider... Uh, requires for denning and many other species also require these hollows they take uh, over 100 years to to develop hollows sometimes up to 150 years currently the logging rotations that uh, Vic Forest the the state government logging agency uses are only 80 years Um, but they very rarely actually leave the forest for 80 years before they log them again. Often they're logged, you know, sometimes only 30 uh, or 40 years after they've they've already been logged. So under the current uh, rotations, uh, the forests are never given enough time to recover to an age at which they will then develop hollows again um, and the habitat that all of these hollow-dependent species like greater gliders requires never actually recovers. And that's why we're seeing these hollow-dependent species decline, like the greater glider. 3CR Community Radio is dedicated to exploring the issues that affect our future. Because I think it is something we just need to be talking about. 855am. Tune in and listen up. You are on Freedom of Species Animal Advocacy on the airwaves and we are chatting with Ed Hill from the Gungara Environment Centre. He's been chatting about one of the threatened species that uh, Gungara Environment Centre has been successful in protecting hectares of um, areas in our forests where, well, the greater glider needs to survive. We'll go back to that interview. So the greater glider is Victoria's latest threatened species. It was just listed by the Environment Minister on the Flora and Fauna Guarantee Act, which is Victorian legislation that protects threatened species. It's just been listed on that act uh, a couple of months ago, but unfortunately we haven't seen any protection measures put in place to protect it, and we're seeing really critical habitat for this species being logged. Just a few months ago, Goongar Environment Centre obtained some documents through a Freedom of Information request that revealed 
that the scientific advisory committee, which is the expert scientific panel that advises the environment minister on uh, conservation issues, they had advised the minister to cease logging in some important areas of greater glider habitat and also implement very strong protections from logging. And the documents that we obtained showed that uh, the Department of Environment had actually advised the Minister not to act on the recommendations of that uh, of the Scientific Advisory Committee and instead consult with Vic Forests, the state-owned logging agency, to develop um, voluntary measures to protect uh, the Greater Glider. It's kind of like, you know, the Health Department consulting with a tobacco company about the health warnings for cigarettes. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's an yep. obvious conflict of interest. Let's unpack that because that's actually leading me to the next question. You've just given us a great example, but what is the current legislation and in infrastructure in place that fails to protect these forests that species, many species called home? Sure. So there's a number of protections that have to be implemented when threatened species are found in some areas of forest mostly only in East Gippsland. In East Gippsland, there's, there's more protections. But a lot of these protections are very old and outdated and inadequate, but also often they're never actually enforced. So the current rule for greater gliders, for example, is if in East Gippsland, if you find... If more than 10 greater gliders are located in one kilometre of forest, then a protection zone has to be put in place However, because this species is declining, uh, the more they decline, the harder it is to find 10. And, and if you find nine, then apparently it's okay to log their homes and kill them. However, in other areas of the state where there's key habitat for greater gliders, such as the central highlands, the forests within the proposed Great Forest National Park, and also in the Stratbogie Bogie Ranges in northeastern Victoria, there's actually no protections for greater gliders whatsoever in those areas. There's a number of other protections for, for other species and Gecko's Citizen Science Program searches for these threatened species and then holds the government accountable to these rules that they're supposed to follow. Um, but it's sort of a... The regulatory system operates in a rather sort of ad hoc, blind-eye approach where it's a system of not looking for threatened species, not finding threatened species and then not having to protect threatened species. And unfortunately, because of the broken nature of the regulatory system, the burden falls upon community groups like Goonga Environment Centre who use citizen science to actually get out there in these forests and find these protected species and then hold the government accountable to these laws and force them to uh, obey the rules and, and put in place these protections. And the Gecko Citizen Science Program has been really successful in recent years in preventing logging in some areas and actually stopping logging in its tracks sometimes by finding these species and then collaborating with environmental legal experts and lawyers to apply pressure on the government to actually get them to, to follow the rules. And sometimes it ends up in, in court as well. But it's just a really perverse situation where the burden falls on the community to actually, you know, get the government to follow these rules. Brings to light last year on Threatened Species Day, uh, part of your campaign was to present the Finance Minister with a $2 million invoice. <laughs> Uh, for the work your citizen scientists as well as other groups have done. Can you unpack that a bit more for us as far as Vic Forests and the regional forest agreements? Sure. So most a lot of these a lot of these threatened species that occur in, in, in our forests, like the greater glider for example, are also really unique animals like the spot tail quoll, 
which is closely related to the Tassie Devil, you know, rare tree frogs such as the large brown tree frog or the long-footed potteroo, which is a really interesting little rat kangaroo that's also endangered. All of those species that I just mentioned are actually listed as uh, threatened species under federal environment law, under the Environment Protection Biodiversity and Conservation Act. However, under the, uh, because, because of these agreements called the Regional Forest Agreements, logging in all of in Victoria and other states is actually exempt from complying with federal environment law. So even though these species are listed as, as, in, as threatened or endangered at the federal level and have uh, quite strong protections for them um, when it comes to managing impacts from other industries, the logging industry is exempt from, from those laws um, through the regional forest agreements, which is essentially an agreement between the state governments and the federal government, which hands decision-making powers to the states and exempts uh, the logging regimes from complying with the federal environment law. Uh, and it, it, it basically says they have to comply with state-based legislation to protect them. But what we're actually seeing is, is that because of the broken nature of the regulatory system, the state-based laws are either weak or inadequate or non-existent. And where they do exist, they're often not applied anyway. Um, and that's why the citizen science groups have to actually come in and identify these species and then pressure the government to, to follow these rules. So, I think a lot of people don't understand. Vic Forest is, you know, a logging company, really, yeah, and it's against their interests, even though you're saying so federally they can, they're exempt from those threatened species laws. There's an expectation there that they go out and, um, you know, safeguard and put protections in place. So, but the fact is they're not doing that. You guys step in and you're doing it because it's not in their, in their um, interest to, to save the species, is it? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, so Vic Forest are a government-owned corporation. They're a government business enterprise. So, yeah, the, the government's logging agency. So they're, they're doing this logging and, and they're meant to be regulated by the Department of Environment. So you have this situation where a government uh, business is being regulated by a government department. So there's an obvious conflict of interest uh, and the industry is skewed towards self-regulation because essentially the government's just regulating itself. So, you know, big forests operations are supposed to not harm these listed threatened species and and the Department of Environment are supposed to make sure that that's not happening and they're the ones who are actually responsible for uh, enforcing these rules but, but they're not doing their job. And Vic Forests are, are legally obliged to look for threatened species in these areas before they log um, to make sure that they are there and if they are there then the Department of Environment is supposed to implement protections for them. But it is a conflict of interest. It's kind of like putting Dracula in charge of the blood bank. Um, having a logging company assess it, looking for threatened species that can restrict uh, where they can log uh, is an obvious conflict of interest. You are on Freedom of Species Animal Advocacy on the airwaves on 3CR 855 AM. We are chatting with Ed Hill from the Gungara Environment Centre. Um, I believe there's about 10 situations where you've stopped logging. Is that correct, Ed? Can you give us the details of uh, a few of them? Yeah, so there's uh, unfortunately unlawful logging of threatened species habitat and rainforest areas too is 
really rife, particularly in East Gippsland. In 2016, last year, the work of citizen scientists from Goomba Environment Centre actually halted logging in 10 different areas of forests where logging had commenced unlawfully in areas of threatened species habitat or where logging had impacted unlawfully on uh, areas of rainforest. So there was about four cases of rainforest logging where Vic Forest had failed to identify areas of rainforest within their logging areas and they had been impacted on by their operations and Goonga Environment Centre had documented the, the, the logging and uh, we use we use GPSs and to create maps showing where the logging has got to and we use use botanical survey techniques to identify the forest and the vegetation types and prepare quite sophisticated reports that we submit to the department. We managed to stop logging in about four different areas where rainforest had been illegally impacted on. Some of those areas have, have since been protected now, which is, which is a good result. And while some destruction of the rainforest did occur because of the reporting and monitoring that we've been doing, some areas yeah, have, have now been saved and the extent of the destruction was, was certainly reduced. And there's a number of other areas where threatened species have been found, where logging had commenced and no survey or no ecological survey had been conducted, either by the department or Vic Forest. And our volunteer surveyors had gone in and, and found large numbers of protected species, such as greater gliders, and then you know worked, we, we, we worked through the night developing a report, creating maps, creating tables of the data, and we send that off to the department in the morning, often in conjunction with a letter from our legal team. And uh, there's been a number of those cases where logging has, has had to stop because we've shown that there are protected species in that require protection and that logging had commenced unlawfully. Yeah, there has been quite a lot of success. About 500 hectares of forest in the last 12 months has been uh, protected for greater gliders as a result of the work that we've been doing. And whilst they are really good good results and we're managing to you know preserve some of the last remaining stands of habitat for this species, it's you know it's frustrating that it actually comes down to the community groups to to actually do this. This is the work that the government should be doing if they're serious about protecting these species. Would you like to just comment on the forty million dollar handover recently to Hayfield the Hayfield Mill? Sure. Yeah. So the Victoria's forests have been overlogged for a number of decades and large bushfires in 2009, the Big Black Saturday fires, um, actually wiped out about 40% of the mountain ash forests that we have just to the, to the north and east of Melbourne uh, within the proposed Great Forest National Park. And this means that the timber supplies in that area uh, are really dwindling. And this is timber that is, has been supplying the Hayfield Mill owned by uh, Australian Sustainable Hardwoods, or ASH. And the government reduced its supply, has been forced to reduce its supply to that timber mill as a result of the loss of resource because of overlogging and fires. And there's been a huge campaign from the logging industry and also the CFMEU to uh, increase the wood supply to that mill. But because of overlogging and fires, the wood is simply not there. And the only way that they're going to get the extra wood that they're calling for is by logging areas that are already protected, either in national parks or within areas that are set aside for threatened species. So the Ash Timber Mill announced that they wouldn't be able to operate on the reduced volume. 
So now the government have forked out $40 million of taxpayers' money to, to buy this timber mill, which is pretty surprising considering that the owners of this business actually knew when they, when they bought the mill in uh, 2012. Um, they knew that uh, the wood supply was running out. In 2012, Vic Forest actually published in one of their financial reports, they actually forecast this reduction in timber volume that would kick in in 2017. So, you know, they've known for a very long time, but there's been no attempt to, you know, transition the workers or, you know, or downscale the operation. And now that they've run out of wood, they're demanding even more wood to keep what is in an unsustainable business going. And we see the purchase of the mill by the government as a pretty short-sighted use of taxpayers' money. These jobs can't be sustained into the long term anyway. And, and what these regional communities really need is to transition to sustainable economies. And we know that by protecting forests um, in the Great Forest National Park, in the, in the ash forest areas to the north and east of Melbourne, that 760 full-time jobs could be created um, you know, in the nature-based tourism industries and also other land management and road maintenance General uh, tourism and, and et cetera. But that wouldn't, yeah. the Great Forest National Park wouldn't cover the area that you're concerned with in Gungara, would it? No, separate yeah. area. Yeah. Um, but the Hayfield, the Hayfield Mill is mostly taking wood from, is taking wood from the proposed Great Forest National Park, not so much from East Gippsland. Okay. Um, yeah, there are other, there are other mills operating in, in, in the Far East. I've sort of got lots of hats on because I also work with Friends of the Earth and we're campaigning for forests across the state, whereas Goonga is solely focused, Goonga Environment Centre is solely focused on Eskip land. So yeah. basically the thing is if citizen scientists aren't out there doing this work, a lot of our forests would have been gone and it's thanks to you guys to protect those homes for all those particular species. Now, how can people get involved in your next citizen science event? Sure. So... Uh, Goongra Environment Centre or Gecko organises citizen science camps every few months out in Goongra. The next one is on the Melbourne Cup long weekend, which is the first weekend of November. And you can find information about that on the Gecko website, which is just uh, gecko.org.au. Under the events section, you'll find some information about the next citizen science camp and you can RSVP there and uh, there's a whole bunch of information about what to expect. The camps are free, anyone can come, they just require reasonable level, level of fitness, uh, sense of adventure, and yeah, they're really, they're really good. You learn a whole bunch of stuff about how to survey the threatened species and how to get involved in the campaign, and we go out there and collect data that can sometimes stop them logging and save some forests. So yeah, check out the, the Gecko website, and Excellent. people can also get involved in Melbourne-based activities through the Friends of the Earth Forest Collective. Friends of the Earth Forest Collective is working on some campaigning in Melbourne to advocate for the protection of Victoria's forests. They meet every second Thursday, so the first and third Thursday of every month at Friends of the Earth uh, on Smith Street in Collingwood. And you can check out the Friends of the Earth Melbourne website. And get a good feed while you're there and do your shopping beforehand. Ed, before you go... I just have to mention, whenever I've spoken to people about this topic in the last couple of weeks, there's this general kind of numbness that comes over them and, oh, she's not going to talk about logging again. But then secondly, there's a general um, distraction. I feel that people are just so swamped with greenwashing these days that they don't 
they're distracted from the crude, uncomplicated reality uh, that this is going on. The vast majority of wood that is being used, as we discussed earlier, is coming from plantations. And the native forest logging industry should have had its day, really, and a lot of people probably think that it has had its day. Mm. They don't realise that you know, we're still logging old-growth forests, we're still logging threatened species habitat. Most of it's being used to produce low-quality paper products. And, yeah, but I think once people do find out about it, there's a whole... It's quite a lot of depth to this issue that people are quite shocked about. And, the, you know, the best way to really uh, educate yourself is to come out and see it for yourself at one of the gecko camps. You are tuned into 3CR 855 AM on the Freedom of Species Animal Advocacy Program. That was a, a beautiful tune um, by Xavier Rudd called My Angel. And before that, we were chatting with Ed Hill from the Gungura Environment Centre uh, about the incredible citizen science programs that they, they hold, but also other groups hold in Victoria where they've gone out and done ecological surveys and actually saved hectares of forest uh, that many threatened species call home. Ed actually mentioned the next citizen science survey camp that's coming up. It's not so far away in springtime, although days like today feels far away. Now, it's on November the 3rd until November the 7th. The camp is free of charge. Donations to cover costs are most appreciated. Camping will be at the Gungura campground by the clear waters of the Broadrib River. Just a few little, you know, uh, things that might interest people is that if you haven't been a camper before but you're really wanting to help these guys, uh, the campground has composting toilets and the gecko kitchen tent will be set up with communal kitchen gear, gas burners and a water trailer providing hot water and a sink for washing up and rainwater for drinking. Workshops and practical sessions will focus on forest ecology, threatened species, survey techniques, remote fauna cameras, uh, nocturnal spotlighting, owl surveys, frog and aquatic surveys, rainforest identification, forest carbon accounting and more. So listeners, make use of all that intrepid outdoor gear in your wardrobe that, let's be honest, a lot of you only wear it to the cafe or to walk the dog. So um, anyway, why don't you get along to one of those uh, important citizen science camps and for more information, go to the Gecko webpage. Also, on Monday night at... Friends of the Earth Co-op and Cafe in Smith Street, Collingwood, uh, from 6.30 to 8.30, that's 24th of July, there's going to be an event called Protecting Our Forests and Why Now is Vital. I'll, I'll read from that event page. Come and hear why now is a crucial time for the protection of our forests. Come and hear Margaret Blakers, long-time environmentalist, discuss regional forest agreements and their importance. 
These 20-year-old agreements are coming to their end and now the government is investigating what will happen next. Margaret Blakers was the first director of the Green Institute and a long-time environmentalist. She organised the first Atlas of Australian Birds and has particular interests in biodiversity, climate change and national environmental laws. Uh, Gold coin donation is appreciated. And I'll just read further. Australia's principal piece of environment legislation, the Environment Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act 1999 is designed to protect our environment, wildlife and threatened species. The logging industry has been exempt from these laws since the introduction of the regional forest agreements between 1997 and 2001. RFAs are 20-year agreements between state and Commonwealth governments outlining responsibilities in relation to native forest management. Um, They have enabled the destruction of vast areas of threatened species habitat with some forest ecosystems now facing collapse and some species now facing extinction. So the RFAs are set to expire. They were renewed for one more year, but if they are renewed, this could lock in 20 more years of forest destruction. Now we have a great opportunity to ensure that RFAs are not renewed, that our forests get the protection they need and all the inhabitants that... Uh, depend upon those landscapes for survival uh, so that their wildlife are protected by federal government law. And as we heard with Ed that it's it's amazing, isn't it, that they're just, that logging is exempt from this national law of protection, the EPBC Act. Anyway, another great resource I came across online and I'm still reading from uh, this Protecting Our Forests event Facebook page, uh, see Environmental Justice Australia's One Stop Chop, yes, One Stop Chop report on how regional forest agreements streamline forest destruction in Victoria. There's a link, and I've put this already on the Freedom of Species page, by the way. So excellent. That would be a great one if you want to like get more clarity around this issue. That's Friends of the Earth Food Co-op and Cafe this Monday night, uh, 6.30 to 8.30. If you don't know Friends of the Earth, you've got to get along there anyway. They do great food during the day, but also they've got a great grocery store at the back. So it's one of those ones where you take your own jars and package materials so you can fill up on a lot of groceries. Okay, We had our Radiothon, as you know, uh, about three or four weeks ago, and I'm going to thank some people uh, for some donations that came through. If you've been thanked already, hey, take another thank you. We're that appreciative. Nigel Wells, thank you so much for whopping a generous $100. And Kim Kilderry as well, $100 from Hopper's Crossing. Thank you. Uh, Catherine Hines, $25 from Clifton Springs. Um, Fantastic. Jan Brereton, $25 from Marlbury. Uh, Jeff Moore, $50 uh, from Port Arlington. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, Margaret Tarrant from Essendon for a full 50 bucks. Thanks a million. Look, Radiothon, we, we've done quite well, but we still haven't reached our target, unfortunately. We've got about 500 or $600 to go. So, look, it's not too late to... Donate and show us your love. So call 
during business hours during the week, 94198377. And um, please donate some money to Freedom of Species. So 3CR can stay on air for another year. And we're wrapping up today, actually, um, a little bit early, so I'll play a few tunes to send us out. Remember the fabulous work of Goongar Environment Centre. Watch the Wildlife of the Central Highlands Group and also the Flora and Fauna Research Collective. Uh, they've all been going out doing Vic Forest job, doing ecological surveys, which they've that have actually presented to the Department of Environment, and from there they've actually prevented a lot of areas like hectares hundreds of hectares of land from being logged homes to many threatened species and other species uh, basically a watch actually saved and this is last year on threatened species environment day they announced that they'd had saved a good 26 mcg ovalfuls <laughs> of land from being logged just from their citizen science so that's excellent and there's been more since then they also on that day, as I mentioned, we, when chatting to Ed Hill, they presented the government with a $2 million invoice because they you know, researched how much it would have cost them to do the ecological surveys that you know, Vic Forest are meant to be doing anyway and um, just to show that they're doing the work that um, is obviously successful and it's happened so many times, this citizen science actually stopping the logging that it really crudely shows the the failing way of regulation that exists all right thank you so much ed hill for chatting with us today i apologize to listeners about the phone quality i don't think was that fantastic um if you'd like to contact us please do on info at freedomofspecies.org twitter or facebook or via the website uh thanks for tuning in I'm taking us out with the guitar piece by Anthony Davies called Distance. Poignant, I thought, because let's not let distance and the spin of media and different lobby groups get in the way of what's really crucially important to act on now. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.